Hi and welcome back to the EMG podcast. I'm joined today by Paul Sims, chairman of I4 Pharma. Uh, welcome back, Paul. Thank you. We're going to talk about the uh, I4 Pharma Patient Summit Europe and the Marketing and Customer Innovation Europe events that you're going to be organising uh, later in October uh, over in uh, West London. Uh, we're going to be there as a team uh, covering some of the main topics. Um, so I just wanted to invite you in today to, to, to go through that. Um, since the last time you were here and the last podcast we did, have you noticed any new trends uh, or developments in the pharma industry that excited you that you might be looking at uh, either of these events? Uh, I was last here in January. Um, <coughs> unfortunately, our industry doesn't move at uh, the pace that we all might hope it does. But uh, something I've noticed, it's not um, a huge feature of the events in, in London, but something that I know has piqued my interest and has really um, geared us up towards the um, Barcelona event and Philadelphia events we're doing next year, uh, is the importance of clinical trial innovation. Uh, I really feel like it's come of age. For, for many, many years, we were uh, really quite resistant to changing. This is one of the few pockets of the world that seem yeah. to um, you know, not particularly have transformed as a result of uh, uh, technology and what's, what's certainly possible because the risk of changing something that is so expensive in the first place, so important in the first place, and actually uh, going away from what a regulator might wish for was too great. But it, uh, you know, we, we always still just you know, relied on getting the next great medicine. But I think that uh, it's no longer something that we can just leave by the wayside. And there seems to be a real commitment right from you know, C-suite uh, level that this is going to be something that genuinely has to bite the bullet, really has to change. Yeah. Uh, and, and genuine efforts are going in now. So virtual trials, digital trials, um, using RWE for new indications and generally in, in most submissions, it's very much coming of age right now. I think um, we're, we're entering a, 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 a new era of evidence. I, I said that you know a decade ago, and I think we're on a, <coughs> facing another step change right now. So that's what's exciting me. I was talking to a, a doctor that's also worked as... A uh, well, he's developed drugs himself and, and, and has, has taken them through the clinical trial process. And he says, you know, the the big issue isn't when you get the first patient on board, it's when you get the last patient on board because you can't start the trials then. And the cost of doing that is phenomenal. So, uh, you know, yeah. any, any innovation there I think will be welcomed all around. Uh, it amazes me. Um, you know, 10% of trials never manage to recruit a single patient. Really? Uh, um, something like 80% uh, of trials hit, miss their deadlines, 37% never actually get their uh, full complement of patients. And, uh, and about 35% of patients drop out of a trial. So yeah. the numbers are staggering. We've got a 90% failure rate of clinical trials always have yeah. had. And um, yeah, it's uh, no longer feasible. It's what's driving so much of the high prices we see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, it'll be good to see that change. Um, so we're going down with the EMG uh, Gold team to the uh, to the events. Um, and we're looking forward to the, the, the Patient Summit and the Marketing and Customer Innovation Conferences. Can you start giving us a bit of background on these particular events and what their aims are and how they've evolved over the years? Yeah, uh, before I do that, congratulations on hitting one year for the gold. It's really great <laughs> to see something that's uh, flourishing in the world of publishing. You don't hear that as often as we might like and um, quality quality publications, so, so great work there. Uh, on our events, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to them too. Um, so we've got two events co-located. Um, the first one, the Patient Summit. This is an event I've actually been running since 2004, showing my age now. Uh, and 
if you're ever wondering how long the phrase patient centricity has been around for, uh, I remember introducing it at that first event. So um, this is really where that patient movement sort of uh, started out and got its first momentum. Uh, and I feel like, you know, we've heard many, many patient inspirational stories, shall we say, over the years. We involve a lot of patients, of course. Um, but this time, it's really about pharma stepping up. You know, it's about pharma delivering. You know, all the patients that are going to be there this event, we're co-presenting with pharma. We want to see the examples that we've seen from, from pharma. Uh, a couple of highlight sessions I'm quite interested in, um, the anti-vaccination movement, uh, which I've always thought is a really obvious target for pharma. You yeah. know, if we, we, we often say, you know, art of war, we always need a, an enemy to, to rally yeah. against well it always struck me that pharma had a really obvious choice here in, yeah. in, in trying to you know get the public message out here uh, and it's really nice to see that GSK are going to be stepping up to the plate and, and actually talking about about that and, and actually how we as an industry can drive that narrative forward for the safety of all um, uh, we're going to be talking about um, involving patients a lot more in the early life cycle of a drug, um, which is uh, something which is a long time coming. Uh, of course, patients aren't scientists, but their insights and the, mm. uh, their unmet needs are what drives our science and what certainly should drive our science. So going to get a lot more, you know, hands well, dirty in, yeah, in that it's, it's that, for want of a better phrase, that user experience, isn't it? You yeah. Know? yeah. Okay. The, the, the patients are the ones that know how it works day to day. So. Exactly. Uh, and they are the experts. And then on the marketing side, uh, I guess I'd really like to declare multi-channel as, as dead, uh, if I could, uh, or certainly terminal. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the year where we actually see a genuine fusion between IT and marketing departments. I mean, IT, of course, has always been involved, but more of a support layer. Now, with the potential of data, the need for data-driven decisions, we actually need an elevation of that IT department from support to strategic and working in tandem with marketers to actually drive the defragmentation of data, the de-siloing, the cleaning of that data, improving that interoperability so that we can actually do all those whizzy things like yeah. AI and, uh, and analytics that we often talk about, but um, actually making those work. So a uh, lot of focus on there. And yeah, I mean, there's loads of things I could talk about, but uh, those, are, those are the ones that um, I'm personally excited about hearing about. And, and, and in terms of the, um, the sort of the evolution of the, the events, what, what big changes have we seen in, in the actual uh, events themselves rather than the topics? Uh, events themselves, um, I suppose um, because we run our sort of um, flagship events, Barcelona, Philadelphia, uh, in the spring, um, these events have become a lot more sort of focused. This is where the, the real practitioners yeah. come. This is where the practical stuff really happens. Stuff happens. Slightly less sort of visionary, <laughs> what's the future of the industry 10 years from now? Slightly more, what do I have to do on Monday morning to yeah. actually move the needle here? Uh, so both events actually... Uh, practical, very practical, um, sort of, and, and also give a real sense of can do, you know, you're kind of with like minded people in the room. Yeah. So, in each case, you kind of develop, uh, it's hard to put in words, but there's this kind of uh, sense by the, by the end of day two that, you know, you ain't got no excuses yeah, yeah. and you've got all the stuff, you're with people, you can yeah. see everyone's aligned. Just go out and make it happen. There's people there to hold you accountable for, for what you're going to do. Yeah, unfortunately, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Um, so we, we talked a little bit there, but what do you hope will be the main lessons and themes that will come from these events? You know, it's, it's, you, you mentioned some of the stuff there, and I think what I've always found with these events is um, farmer are almost a little bit scared to, to stick their head above the, the parapet, so to speak, and, and actually... Um, do anything that really challenges stuff and you know this you, you, you're just talking there about some of the stuff that you'd like to see and that that is happening is yeah. there anything else that really jumps out at you 
Well, I definitely hear the hear you when you say, you know, farmer sticking the neck out. I mean, my job is obviously, I, I, I sometimes describe it as making uh, the innovators famous and then making yeah. them normal. Yeah. Uh, so giving them that platform and, and obviously moving that on. Uh, and we've got a few mechanisms to do that. For example, we run our awards, which which sort of gets people to actually compete to actually um, yeah. outdo one another publicly, uh, which brings some of the really interesting case studies to the fore. And obviously, we've got a few of those uh, on stage of people going into to actually um, the best work uh, that, that our industry can do. And, and actually, that's quite inspiring. It gives you the sense that you know, actually, pharma companies, it feels like we're not putting the neck out, but in, certainly in isolated cases, yeah. there is some genuinely interesting yeah. and uh, passionate people. Around. And the more you can do with the awards to, to, to highlight that, I think more other people and other companies will, will, will feel safe doing so. Yeah, yeah, it's got to, as I say, it's got to feel normal, and yeah. we have to actually celebrate good stuff. I don't yeah. think we, there are lots of award ceremonies, a lot of them are, um, you know, best rep, best digital yeah. campaign. Uh, I think we should be celebrating the work that actually makes a difference to patients. And, yeah. and that's what I don't see at other award ceremonies enough. So if we can get behind these kind of initiatives, then I think that that's a worthy effort to make. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Brilliant. And um, have you, what have, what's been your favorite example of patient centricity initiatives that you've seen over the, uh, over the last 12 months or so in Pharma? Uh, well, we were just talking about our awards. Um, one of our award winners was um, Leo Innovation Lab. I mean, Leo is a great company. Yeah. I always say it's uh, not the biggest, but it's certainly a leader. Uh, and um, Catalina Seneca um, won uh, one earlier this year with an initiative called So, Ho so Happy, spelled P-S-O, as in psoriasis, So Happy. Uh, and what they did was they really focused on uh, using a happiness index, not something that we typically uh, go for in, in our industry, um, but a new metric that could could measure genuine uh, patient uh, sentiment and uh, yeah. obviously bringing that to payers. It wasn't exactly an easy thing for them to do, but a really cool initiative that, that actually um, changed, the, as I say, moved the needle for both patients and for the company itself. Great stuff. Now, you touched on earlier that, that, that this is an industry that doesn't tend to move particularly fast in a lot of ways. Um, and we touched on uh, in the last podcast about how, how you're often frustrated by that and the, 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 the pace of change. Um, do you believe that we're now seeing an increase in the urgency in the pharma industry to turn their words into actions um, and start making the entire commercial and R&D pipeline truly patient focused? I would obviously love to say yes. <laughs> um, there is more talk, and there is there is genuine stuff going on. The, you know, agility has become a buzzword. There is a genuine sense of needing to experiment in pharma, which was for a long time something that we didn't do because we're obviously dealing with people's lives. You don't want an experiment with people's lives going wrong. Um, but there is um, a sense now that within the commercial side of the business that for really the first time, they need to be a source of innovation. It's not just down to the R&D guys to come up with uh, what's new. Yeah. The the uh, the commercial guys need to create as well. They're not just distributors. They have to consider what services, what additional um, holistic solutions through partnerships, etc., need to be created in order to actually create an outcome. And uh, I think that um, it's um, still early days. We're still not able to see the fruits as often as we might like, but actually a lot of the work is going in. Uh, of course, there's a lot of buzzwords, a lot of people doing it wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, as a sort of more of an entrepreneurial mindset myself, I welcome any shift towards this, um, yeah. you know, ag more agile, more iterative way of working. And how do you think events like yours help help with this you know you're getting the right people in the right place at the right time what else could we do to to, to help this happen or to speed this up 
Uh, as I say, show that it's possible. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, we are unfortunately an industry a little bit of lemmings. We like to see what's gone before us yeah. and then only follow that. That's probably not going to change overnight. If I can find the examples of great work, put them up there, make them famous, yeah. then I can hopefully <coughs> raise that bar yeah. for everybody so that uh, when you're coming to do an initiative, you can point to something that's happened yeah. before, you can convince your boss, you can show that it's been done, it can be done. Yeah. Uh, we often talk about people who want to bring their um, compliance teams to our events to demonstrate to those guys that it's not just a no every time, look, yeah. somebody else has done it. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and I just think, yeah, it's, uh, it sounds pretty cheesy, but having that sort of can-do uh, atmosphere and the actual practicality of it is something worth aiming for. That's the only way we're going to create the movement yeah. that actually drives the progress um, that we need. We don't have a, a Steve Jobs for our industry, yeah. but the best we can do, I guess, is is uh, a collective effort. Definitely, definitely. Um, and you talked a, a little bit earlier about the, the the shift from going from multi-channel to, to involving the IT uh, within marketing. And uh, I was at an event with Sir Clive Woodward a little while ago, and he said, whoever wins in IT wins. Um, and it, it, yeah, it seems like he happens to be working in IT now. It, he doesn't know. He doesn't actually. <laughs> but he was saying from when he was when he won the Rugby World Cup to when he was in charge of the uh, the Team GB at 20, 2012 Olympics, they had the best IT that, that that any other country or any other team had out there, and it makes such a difference if you use it in the right way. Um, what would you say have been the biggest shifts in the conversations uh, and the focus around farmers' marketing strategies over recent years? Well, it is that data-driven uh, aspect to it. It's the idea that we can now uh, make sure our decisions are driven not just by you know who's got the most experience, who's got the loudest voice in the room, but by actually what the data says. And I've quite been quite impressed by some of the solutions that I've seen which really pull together the data. Of course, yes, the data has to be clean. Of course, it has to be defragmented, de-siloed, and be brought into a, to a way that can be used. But um, I've been pretty impressed by some of the um, internal sort of AI tools that are now available that can actually um, almost do the job of the best chief strategy or chief financial officer by, uh, you know, using natural language to say, what will, what will my sales be like 12 months from now? Yeah. And actually coming up with a pretty reasoned answer to that based not just on history, but also all of the other predictions that can be sourced out there to come up with a pretty accurate result. And um, that possibility is actually what's driving um, uh, so much of what's possible. I had a great uh, chat with uh, Amit Nafawani, who's the CMO and CDO of Sanofi. Uh, of course, new CEO started last week there as well. Uh, and uh, his uh, aim is to firstly digitize the organization so that that kind of stuff is possible, but then also to use uh, this technology to actually come up with new products to actually create a saleable asset from that data to, to actually create insights. And uh, it's a pretty ambitious task he's got, um, and uh, he's uh, but he's pretty excited about it, pretty driven. He uh, took a while to convince his board, I think uh, over a year to convince his board, but he's got there now. Yeah. And um, very interested to see what he can come up with over the next uh, 12 to 18 months. Yeah, brilliant, fascinating. And, and just finally, one thing, if you had to prioritize one area of the in industry to focus on making improvements for the rest of this year, where are you gonna do it? think it would have to be back to what I said at the beginning, uh, clinical evidence generation. The biggest threat to our industry right now is 
pressures on price, particularly from the US, where historically price has been a relatively free market. Uh, and I'm not going to make myself popular here because, you know, we all rely on the money in the system. But I would actually welcome some of that pressure because I think it would force ourselves to be much smarter and much less lazy. For me, uh, you know, the commercial side of our business had a bit of a clamp down over the last decade from mm. the uh, arms races of the 90s <laughs> and early 2000s, if you remember those days, sales rep in every, yeah. every uh, doctor's surgery. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't say that <coughs> R&D has been sort of fat by comparison, but I think that um, certainly the clinical and evidence generation area could be a lot leaner, a lot smarter. And I think we could force ourselves to innovate here by having less money in the system uh, and uh, and finding smarter ways to do patient recruitment to uh, to run those trials to get that evidence to get approvals and to have a, bit, a few more shots at goal even if yeah. we uh, can't um, improve that 90% uh, failure rate and I, th I think it's it, you know you we've talked about getting the patients involved but also there's there's, there's initiatives like the um, the clinical entrepreneur scheme that professor Tony Young who's head of innovation I think for the NHS they're coming up with some great ideas there, and, mm -hmm. and it's it's getting all of these people, as we said before, into in, into the same room at the same time, and we, which which comes back to the you know the, the the point of events that you're organising. It's a great opportunity to do that. So the more of that that we see, the better, I think. I think that's all we have got time for today. But thanks for coming in. It's good to see you again, and I look forward to to catching up and, and attending the events myself later later in October. Uh, and also, if you don't get a chance to go to the event, you will be able to catch up uh, and, and see a review of them in the Gold magazine, which will be coming out on the 28th of November. Definitely catch that. Thanks for coming in, Paul. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.